Well, as Malachi began his reading, see, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. We've had John the Baptist, haven't we, the last couple of weeks, preparing the way uh, for the Lord in the baptism of Jesus. But then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. In our New Testament reading, our Gospel reading, we have the direct fulfilment of that promise. One of several hundred uh, Old Testament prophecies that were directly fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And uh, uh, as um, Nicky Gumbel put it on the Alpha Course last week, some people think maybe Jesus was a charlatan, maybe he was just trying to act out all these promises that were in the Old Testament and say, look, I'm the person that's come to fulfill them. But uh, uh, as, as he also put it, he said, some of those are a bit difficult. He said, uh, say, whoops, I was born in the wrong place. I was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. You know, you can't do much about that. And uh, similarly, this one, when you're only a few days old, uh, he was not in control of events at this time, uh, but there was someone who was his father. And seeing that those ancient words uh, would be fulfilled. And uh, I think this is a good time just to read uh, a verse that has uh, been encouraging me. Um, uh, from somebody who isn't in this reading, from Peter, uh, who knew all those, a lot of those prophecies in the Old Testament, and they encouraged him and gave him hope. But now, he said, we have now seen the real thing. <laughs> uh, he's actually talking about being up the Mount of Transfiguration, which we'll have uh, later in, in the month. Uh, and uh, he says this, um, We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We heard that voice saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And if I was to give a title to what I'm sharing today, I would uh, call it The Power of Prophetic Promise. Sorry, us preachers always like to have alliteration. You have to forgive us for that. So. It helps us to remember things, I think. Uh, and that's what G Peter's talking about. He said, we had these prophetic promises, some of them hundreds of years, some of them almost thousands of years earlier. And we had them like a light shining in a dark place when things seemed to be really dark and nothing was happening and things were not going well. Malachi, we heard, was the last book of the Old Testament. And since then, two or three hundred years earlier, they'd had no word from God for two or three hundred years. They just had those prophecies to hang on to. And now suddenly around the birth of Jesus and then the early life of Jesus, all these prophecies start being fulfilled. Angels start appearing and John the Baptist and coming the way to prepare. And now 
Jesus, the Son of God, comes into his temple. Uh, prophecies are strange things. We won't go into that now. But, of course, the rest of the uh, 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 prophecy seems to be more about him coming in judgment, doesn't it? And purification. Sounds a bit disturbing. Uh, uh, but uh, we know that Jesus first came to save the world and we are still yet waiting, good thing, for him to come and judge the world. Uh, and that's partly why Peter still says, we still need these promises as a light shining in a dark place because the world is still off in a dark place, isn't it? And it will be until Jesus comes again. So we still need these promises burning like a light in a dark place. And also individually, I believe each one of us needs God's promises in our hearts that God has spoken to you. How does that work? Well, uh, I just want to look at the two uh, characters here in this uh, reading, in our reading in, the, uh, in Luke, uh, and maybe they'll give us some clues. Uh, first of all, we have uh, uh, when um, Jesus comes into the temple, we have uh, a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Uh, devout is probably the, the key word because it's actually devotion to God that makes you righteous. We know now uh, that they didn't know quite so well. Actually, righteousness comes by faith. It's our relationship with God that he begins to transform us and make us like him. Uh, we know that righteousness comes from Jesus. But uh, how, does, how is his life described? His life is described in, in one sentence. He was waiting. That's his life, really. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Why was he spending his life waiting for something that no idea where it's going to come? Well, the answer is, verse 26, because he had had his own personal prophetic word. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God had spoken a personal prophetic word to him, a word of promise, and that sustained him day in, day out, as he regularly went. He went all the, not all the time, uh, but he still lived his life. But every now and then he'd be going to the temple courts, and on this particular occasion, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And it's good to learn to be moved by the Spirit at times. Um, trying to think. Oh, it was uh, yesterday. Um, uh, we were on a workshop. Some of us from Kerry was from here, and some from the Good Shepherd at St Philip's Pen. I might mention that again later. Um, but uh, uh, Peter Smith, who is uh, a new Peter Smith, I know from Birmingham, who's now the rector at uh, St Philip's Pen, a uh, lovely humble man, uh, just said he just his wife had just had a message on the phone that morning, that morning, uh, uh, from a, a friend. I think she. It was, it was it's, it's called, it's a vicarage wives group or something on, on Facebook, you know. And, and one of them had posted that uh, uh, she'd just woken up in the morning with, with, a, with a, just a strong urge and an impression about someone and wasn't sure what she'd do. She said, well, let's pray. She prayed with her husband for him. And, and then she rang up this person and that person was about to take their own life. And uh, she was able to talk to them and help that not to happen. That was yesterday morning. No. Uh, now you'd think what happened if she hadn't been obedient to that nudge that, that word from God saying 
there's something going on here, you know. Uh, and uh, so, just as we have the prophecies of the Word of Scripture, God still wants to speak to us. It's not usually as dramatic as that, uh, but there are times when it is very important to be moved by the Spirit, like Simeon was here, to, to do what the Lord's telling us to do. How, whether he was conscious of or not, and we're not always conscious of it. Sometimes this, this, God just takes us places, doesn't he? You think, well, I can see he's been organizing us to get us here, but I wasn't aware that I was being led to be here. That happens many times in my life, and it happens every day, actually, virtually, I think, in my experience. So you start spotting it. God, God, is, in, God is doing things in your life every day. You just need the eyes to, to see it. Uh, but there are times when you're specifically moved by the Spirit, you're nudged. Say, go here, do this, phone that person, whatever it might, pray for that person. So, uh, obviously, Simeon, because the Holy Spirit was on him, he was sensitive to these things. But we should all now learn to be sensitive to these things, because we all, if we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and uh, he, he wants to lead us and guide us. So he had that prophet's promise, and he kept him going. Uh, and... Uh, 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 how that works, I think I've already explained to you, because uh, uh, he knew the promises of Scripture. So any prophetic word we get for ourselves needs to be tested with Scripture. If it doesn't agree, it's probably just your own imagination. Uh, so uh, he had, like Peter said, the prophet's promise of the coming of the Messiah. He knew that was going to happen, but he also had his own personal word, and you are going to see him before you die. Those things can sustain us through long, dry periods when nothing seems to be happening. And, uh, and put up your hands here who's never had a dry period in life when nothing seems to happen. <laughs> We've all been there, done it, you know. And uh, put up your hand if uh, during those times you, you haven't thought to yourself, come on God, aren't you going to do this? Why aren't you doing this today or tomorrow? <laughs> we all think that, don't we? <laughs> How long is this going to go on? Now, I don't know how long Simeon was waiting, but it was obviously a long time. <laughs> and uh, 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 how was he sustained in that time? He had the word of God made more sure and certain by the Holy Spirit in his own heart. And uh, uh, that's, I think, enough about Simeon, because I think Anna illustrates the other aspect uh, better. So when he, anyway, just to say, finally the time, cuts, the time came, and he was able to go in and take the child Messiah in his arms. How wonderful. <laughs> he waited for that moment. He knew he was going to see the, the Messiah, but he didn't know what was going to happen and how wonderful that he was actually able to take that child, the Son of God, in his arms and say, I've been waiting for this a very long time. Now I can depart in peace. <laughs> amazing, amazing story. And uh, he prophesied because he got used to the work of the Spirit. And he said... Uh, for my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared, Father God, in the sight of all people. And strangely, he begins straight away, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles. This was a shock to Israel. This was never what they thought it was about. It's mostly about them. All oh, the Gentiles, somewhere along the line, they might, God might care about them. But basically, it's us. And suddenly we get, it's the Gentiles first, which is us lot, mostly. <laughs> uh, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Um, and Simeon um, blessed them. We'll come back to that. Then we get, uh, uh, there was also a prophetess. Oh, here we get prophecy again. There was a prophetess, verse 36. Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. 
She had lived with her, this is the possible translation, she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. The Greek actually reads she was a widow for 84 years. And people think, is that really possible? <laughs> uh, it's just not quite clear. It could possibly be translated this way. Um, but um, they did marry young in those days. So it's possible she was married at sort of 16, 17 and husband died at age 20 and she was 104. So we don't know. But anyway, it was a very long time. <laughs> uh, whether she was 84 or 104. Uh, and uh, how did she survive? Because it's, I mean, now we have the social services at least to keep us going. In those days, widows, bad news. You know, and that's why there's a lot in the Bible about taking care of widows. Uh, and they could only survive because of the help of the community. Uh, but she discovered that the, the, the godly community of the, of the Jewish people and their worship was the best place for her to be. And uh, so uh, she amazingly, verse 37, she never left the temple. But worship night and day. I can't believe she actually slept there, but maybe she did. I don't know. It's it that kind of a place, maybe. It was quite an open public place. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Has anybody tried to fast for a day or two? It's all right. She didn't fast for 84 years. <laughs> that wouldn't be possible. But obviously, she regularly fasted. And how did she keep that going? because she had this just joy and, and sustenance in her relationship with God, that as long as she was, a bit like the beginning of Psalm 27 that I didn't read, David said, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It just occurred to me that Anna fulfilled that prophecy. I never thought about that before. <laughs> More than David could. He was a man of war and had to do other stuff. But um, amazing that she was sustained by just being in the presence of God as much as everything. She'd eat sometimes and she'd do some other things, but she basically lived in the house of the Lord. Uh, what a life. Uh, and uh, because she lived in this spirit of prophecy, so prophecy just simply means you're, you're able to hear God and at times you speak that out to other people, what the message that God might have for them. So she obviously regularly did that to bless people uh, and... Uh, Coming up to the, uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus at that moment, she gave thanks to God. There's a good place to start. <laughs> That's what kept her going. She was always giving thanks to God. And spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Uh, so here's another secret that Anna reveals to us. Uh, has some deep secrets here, really. Um, firstly, that uh, uh, like Anna... We will all have broken places in our lives. Her, she, her life was deeply broken. Um, no children, no husband, no family. Um, she might have had some cousins or whatever, but I don't suppose any of them were alive by this time because she's pretty old. So she's on her own. But somehow uh, she was broken, yet healed by living in the presence of God. And uh, it may be that, you know, if ever she kind of went off and started going about daily life and looking in the market, probably those pains would come back and think, ah, oh, I'm all on my own. My husband died. 
And so she would go back to the presence of God, where she at least felt that her brokenness was healed. And uh, that's what sustained her, living in the presence of God, waiting, like Simeon, just waiting. No wonder Psalm 27 ends, Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, says David. Uh, it's not easy sometimes to wait and wait and wait. But how can we do that? Well, even if we're broken, we bring our brokenness into God's presence and uh, live as much as we can in that presence. And then in the, the flow, the outflow of God through us in our brokenness. Uh, I happened to read uh, somewhere when we, we, we were reflecting and praying, I think it was yesterday morning at our Waking the Dawn prayer, which is the best kept secret in Bushbury, where uh, uh, we uh, go and just get sustained early on a Saturday morning and pray for the new dawn to rise. I've uh, been doing it for three and a half years now, and uh, I wouldn't miss it if I, if I could, uh, only if I'm away. And uh, we read part of this passage, which is at the heart of um, Paul's heart. Uh, Paul, interesting character, we won't talk about him now. Um, but uh, he lives because he's been broken and yet uh, has discovered the glory of coming to know Jesus. He lives for the, for the ministry Jesus has given him, to share it with others. Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart, says uh, Paul. And he said, Though the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, here we go again, that light out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us but is from God. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Cracked, broken vessels like Paul, like Anna, are actually the only ones that the light can shine through. If you've got a nice, beautiful, perfect vessel like the Pharisees that thought they were all sorted, put a light in them, you can't see anything. It just can't get through. But the cracked the vessels that have somehow been put back together by God and held together by God, the light streams out of the cracks. And that's what we're called to be, broken healers. That's a calling for every Christian, some more broken than others, some more healing than others, but often the broken ones are the best healers. And that was Anna, wasn't it? And uh, uh, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Just remember that, that picture. That's who we are. Uh, but it's, that's a wonderful place to be. And that's, that's our calling, really, until we go to be with the Lord. 
and then somehow we'll, we'll probably have a whole vessel, but the light will still shine out, because <laughs> just like Jesus' resurrection body. So we look forward to that day. It won't be forever. Uh, but in this life, we are held together, as it were, by the grace and the love of God. And uh, just to share a couple of stories, um, uh, uh, some of us, uh, Jackie was there and Kerry was there, uh, went to, um, not together 2020, um, but to engage on Friday night at Wolverhampton, uh, which was a kind of the together for Wolverhampton as we gathered with a wonderful time of worship. Jackie will tell you all about that because she's, she's, she loves Lou Fellingham. I could see her talking to her, having a good time there at the end. Uh, two great worship leaders. But uh, we had a really humbling message from Josh White, who's a pu- pastor in Portland, Oregon. Get it right. And um, if you look at him, he said it goes in taxis in London. He usually gets, uh, they usually say to him, so, uh, so uh, are you a tattoo artist? Or uh, what was the other thing he had? Are you, uh, I can't remember what the other one was, uh, that they used to think he was. He said he's always wishing they'd say, are you a musician? Because he'd like to think he's a musician, but they never said that. But when he said he's a pastor, they're kind of shocked. He said, oh, didn't think you were a pastor. <laughs> Because he had a very broken life before he became a pastor. His parents divorced when he was one year old and they fought over him in cars. And it was terrible. You know, he was a broken life. But God, Jesus had found him and put him back together again. But his message is we still carry our brokenness around. We're broken healers. And he likes to do his church out in the park in Portland so that the broken people can say, actually, these people are kind of okay. We might come and join them and chat to them and be touched by the presence of Jesus. And he's linked to the Palau organisation that is coming to Wolverhampton to do something a bit similar in West Park in, uh, in June. Uh, so, uh, but you get the point. Still broken, but broken healers. And uh, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And uh, uh, the other thing he, he said, uh, which was, I won't tell the whole story, maybe it'll do for another time. But uh, he and his brokenness was trying to relate to his uh, drunken probably 84-year-old dad who was dying out in the stick somewhere. He said he looked, probably looked like 104. He was kind of all wizened and terrible but, uh, and was always rude to him. But eventually he thought, I'm off to do something with my dad. Um, he felt a pang of conscience. <laughs> and he said, I need to bring him to my family. So he flew him down to his family. And uh, it was his four-year-old daughter who had more grace for his dad than he did, who uh, just wanted to love his dad and find out how best to love him run down the path to meet him, bring him up to the front door of the house. And, uh, and he'd been, he'd, she'd been warned by her dad to say, uh, look, now, if he wants to light up a cigarette, don't you tell him that's bad for you, that's going to kill you, granddad. Don't say anything, because he won't like that. And sure enough, he got to the house. He was so nervous. He'd never been to this kind of posh house before, and he was smelling to high heaven. And he said, oh, I've got to, I've got to light up. And he said, the four-year-old kind of looked at him and looked down at him and said, I like your boots, Grandad. <laughs> and apparently he said it was just some, something just seemed to touch him from that four-year-old that melted his heart. And, uh, and then there was, a, there was a failed church plant who was a chaplain who had been visiting me in the hospital. And, and, and uh, Josh White didn't know this was happening until this guy rang him up. He said, well, I've been trying to visit your dad. I don't think he's doing any good. But he did pray to receive Jesus. He said, but I don't think it will stick because he's so rotten. And, uh, and, he, and he just realized that actually God in his grace was beginning to find his dad before he goes to be with the Lord in the still in the land of the living through three broken people the least broken was the child we all need to become like little children don't we Uh, but between them together the grace of God was meeting this man 
and helping him to come to know Jesus. What a wonderful picture of what the church is about and how important it is to come together. How wonderful that uh, Jesus and his family came into the worshipping house of God for the first time. It was a bit odd in, in Israel. How many places were they allowed to worship in Israel properly? One. And that was in Jerusalem Temple. So they had, they'd never been before. <laughs> well, I mean, Joseph and Mary would have been at some point, probably come on Passover times, you know, when people were all supposed to gather. But now, this was the first time Jesus had come into the temple. And uh, even though it was still the Jewish temple and the Pharisees had got their problems, it was still full of spiritual life, wasn't it? And amazing, Anna and Simeon and these people full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we may be a broken lot, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but his Holy Spirit is amongst us. And God can use us together to help put other broken lives back together. We know that in Low Hill, uh, possibly slightly more than you do here. We don't always see so much of the coming together, but we certainly see a lot of brokenness coming in. And uh, that's what we're called to. And uh, just to, as a final word, uh, we're just discovering, uh, as I say, some of us, um, uh, we're going on a bit of a journey uh, to reawaken in us these gifts of the Spirit of hearing God, but not just hearing God for ourselves, what's God saying to me, but hearing God and actually passing it on to other people to be a blessing to them. Did you know what the main purpose of prophecy is? Read 1 Corinthians 14. It is for strengthening, uh, encouragement and comfort and Paul is eager that we should all prophesy because he wants us all to be able to pass on God's word to other people in various ways to strengthen them, encourage them and comfort them. We'll talk more about it another time, but uh, there's just some ordinary folks we gathered with in St Aidan's, uh, in the other side of Wolverhampton, that are tentatively starting on this journey. And we just sat down and kind of listened to God and prophesied to each other. And we were all encouraged. And, uh, and it's a really encouraging thing to do. Um, but uh, let's just, uh, I could give examples, I won't now, um, uh, but uh, I've had several, it was quite funny, I'll give you one example, it was quite funny, there's one lady, she looked like she was about 84, she might be about 80 something or other, and she sat in a group, the two or three of them, just sat to listen to God, what's God going to say to, to me? So I'm kind of used to this happening, I thought fine, wait for it, and said to this lady, all she got, she a piece of notebook she wrote down, just saw this picture of, of you, and leading a, a group of people, and there was a large group of people following you, and, and that was it, nothing else to say. Other people had longer things to say and I tend to get a bit longer things that flow out once you get going, you kind of get a flow comes in, in prophecy sometimes. And, uh, and then after she'd finished the conversation, she said, now, now what do you do? She hadn't realised that I was actually the pastor and the leader of the church because I just mixed in with everybody else. And after she said, oh, it's so good I didn't know you were a pastor because that's quite obvious, isn't it, kind of the leader with a flock following. But she didn't know that that picture was actually very... Uh, comforting and helpful for me in a way. It had actually exactly confirmed something that I'd had in another direction somewhere else. I won't give you the detail now. But uh, do you see how simple ways we can, if we're just open to it, God can use us to bless her. And then I had words for her that was able to encourage her and pray for her, who's one of the, the kind of the, the, what's the word, the, um, the old saints that are keeping that church going, you know, in, uh, in St. Aidan's. So, uh, simple examples, but how just how good can it be? Well, it probably didn't get what's it more better, but more bittersweet than Mary. Uh, Mary, what did Simeon prophesy to Mary? Not the most encouraging words. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel 
and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your heart also. Oh dear. It's not a very encouraging prophecy, is it? But I bet when, when Mary stood at the foot of the cross and she treasured these words in her heart, she thought, my heart is breaking, but I know that God somehow is in this because he warned me about this. He told me this was going to happen. And it can work both ways, prophecies. They can really encourage us and they can give us courage in dark times. So shall we uh, just see the value of, uh, uh, of using these gifts amongst ourselves, building one another up. And I brought my seed today that I forgot on Thursday. And doing it together, that's the black country, Matthew 18, 20, when two or three gather in my name, there I am together, I'm in the midst of them. And we can see God build his body by his spirit. Let us pray.